everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author interview series. I'm Deborah Carney, your host, and today I am joined by Ben, who has written a very interesting satirical book that I can't wait to hear more about. Hi, Ben. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. Um, thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us. Can you introduce yourself and tell the folks a little bit about you? Uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, name's Ben Nesvig. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I recently, this year, published my first book of satirical essays called First World Problems, 101 Reasons Why the Terrorists Hate Us, uh, which is just, I guess, a look at, at everyday things that mostly myself and, and everyone else kind of complains about, but in the grand scheme of things, aren't aren't actually real problems. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. What? Did, um, how did you come up with the idea for it? Were you just like, you know, sitting around thinking about things one day, and you, you know, you, you started writing things down, or was there a catalyst? Uh, there, there have always been sort of the, the petty things I've I've complained about or uh, just ranted about to friends, just because they, they either bother me or. I was looking for a way to to amuse people or get a laugh out of them, uh, or maybe both. But I first world problems is actually an internet meme which started I don't know, uh, probably just a few years ago, and that sort of clicked with me that most of the things I've been complaining about are just kind of exclusive to to the first world and. Uh, aren't actually valid things to be complaining about. Okay. Um, can you give us, like, an example? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, I guess the the example from the beginning of the book when I explained the, the definition of what a first world problem is uh, would be going into, like, your refrigerator and thinking, wow, we have nothing to drink uh, in the refrigerator except water. When someone in the third world might say, I have to walk three miles uh, to draw water from a dirty well, or else I might die of dehydration. Yeah, that's a really good one. And actually, I was thinking along the same lines of going to the refrigerator and, and complaining about something not being there and you know realizing that a oh. lot of third world countries don't even have a refrigerator, so they don't have that luxury at all. Um, yeah, food, food is a big topic in the book. Uh, even just... Things like buying so much food that some of it uh, started to mold mm -hmm. has, has been a recurring theme in my life. <laughs> As it uh, is in most of ours, and we don't yeah. realize, but, you know, there isn't anything we can do with it. But, yeah, we, we tend to overstock ourselves and then throw things away that other people would be happy to eat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely something or a, a topic that... And mostly we we tend to have problems with, um, and even as it relates to work, just days when I would I guess bring myself a lunch, eat it, and then find out that the whole office is going out to eat, and then feel like I have to eat a second lunch, mm -hmm. and then be tired the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, those are the little things that that um, we take for granted that um, other people, you know, don't have that ability to have even just the first lunch. So now, once you uh, 
once you got the idea and you, you started writing things down, how long did it take you to like complete the process? Was it actually fairly quick because you had a lot of things noodling around in your head or did you did it take you a while? Uh, I guess from from the time I got serious about it, it was fairly quick just because I was trying to really push myself to get it out before Christmas. Okay, good um, idea. But the whole thing, the whole process from idea to being live in the Kindle store was maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. It, it originally started as a blog where I'd update it maybe every other day, which maybe turned into every other week, and then maybe once a month. Uh, <laughs> but as as many blogs go, but I was getting a lot of a lot of good feedback from it and and people who enjoyed it. And then just thought that I, I really didn't have the commitment to go long term with that type mm-hmm. of blog, and and thought I would just turn it into a book and and put all the effort in at once. And and that's that's a really good um, idea. I'm glad that you brought that up. That you started it as a blog because um, I was working with an, uh, one, another author that I interviewed uh, wrote a book, How to Blog a Book. And basically she is uh, telling folks to write their first draft on a blog as they go along and, and write their book and then get feedback exactly the way you did. And then um, go ahead and after that, you know, you don't have to put the whole book on a on a blog, obviously, but then take the information that you already have and combine it with the feedback, and then you come up with your second draft and, you know, get it edited, and then there's your final copy. And uh, what's beautiful is that you are now, because of the technology and because of the popularity of ebook readers, you were able to take a book and, or take a blog and put the things all together into a book. And then upload it, and boom, mm-hmm. it was published. You know, there wasn't like okay, you had to make a cover. And um, yeah. did you have people edit it for you? Did you have other people read it and you know help you with the structure and writing and that type of thing, or did you just you know when you were done with it, you were done with it? Yeah, that that's sort of been part of the the learning process too with it. Uh, initially, just because I wanted to get it out there so bad before Christmas I had just done like a quick edit myself uh, where I went through and checked to make sure how the content was structured the way I wanted it and typos and grammar but then uh, quickly realized from from some reviewers on, on Goodreads that while they loved the book they there's so, almost like an asterisk to the review where they'd say, but you can tell it's self-published. Uh-oh. Uh, so I thought, well, I I should probably get get an editor. Uh, so for that, I I guess I since I didn't really know anyone personally who who edits books, I just went to Craigslist and and found someone through that way. Uh, and they had a lot of good feedbacks and made a lot of updates to the book and. Uh, I guess even even after that, I had a few people um, come back and say that it could use a little bit more tweaking. So, and now I've I finally found someone who 
I guess, an actual reader of the book who who contacted me afterwards saying that uh, the book could use a little bit more editing and here's how I could help. Okay. And was that a person that you found through Goodreads? Uh, that was someone who just emailed me directly. Okay. All right. Cool. Because I know that a lot of authors are trying to figure out sites like Goodreads and figure out how to use them. And it sounds like in your particular case that you got yourself um, on there and got your book out there and were able to um, get feedback from people, which is actually Mm -hmm. usually kind of difficult. And, you know, getting feedback, constructive criticism is um, excellent. I would I would love if people would do that. Yeah, it's it's been really good. Um, as Goodreads seems to be the place with the most, almost the most candid reviews, where um, people people will give more thoughtful, I guess, criticisms uh, on there as well. People have yeah, definitely uh, given a few ideas where they say, you know, I love this book. I could see it being turned into stand up or. Uh, other ideas like that too. Oh well, that's always good to get. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of repurposing your content and mm-hmm. reusing it in different ways. So, like if it reads like to do stand up, uh, do do a series of YouTube videos. You know, with each one is a you know a couple of the stories or you know the examples that you use, and and then send people to buy the book. You know, after you have a couple of little YouTube videos up. Or have your friends all, you know, take turns um, reading it. Or find an actual stand-up comic that wants to read it and um, produce something that you can put up on YouTube. I think I think that would be very fun. Yeah, that's that's definitely where your mind goes once you get the book out there. It's, what can I take from the book and modify it into something that would catch people's attention who... I guess maybe wouldn't be surfing on Amazon for the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we all know that uh, the younger generation is all turning to YouTube as a uh, uh, as a search engine because they're instead of just wanting to see text searches uh, results for searches, they actually want to see uh, see and hear someone talking about uh, whatever it is they're searching for or. Um, you know, find something, mm-hmm. they're just browsing for something fun to catch their eye. And the other thing that, you know, you might want to do is to create some um, electronic posters that people can download that maybe have like um, one of the, you know, like one of the short ones, short things, like you said about the refrigerator, you know, have like a drawing mm-hmm. of a guy looking in a refrigerator and then have the, the writing on it and, um, see if you can get that to go viral, and you know, for more like this, see, you know, come come buy my book, mm-hmm. and you know, those are things that would be that would be fun. I'm I'm the queen of making ways to reuse <laughs> content. If you haven't figured it out, I can I can take something and spin it twenty different ways. So, um, oh, that's that's a good skill to have. Uh, I mean, you learn after publishing a book that. You know, just publishing it is never enough. That's that's really only like almost half the work. Because mm-hmm. then you have to start thinking of, well, how do I get people to actually read this thing I put so much time and effort into? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, and so much of that is, I guess, taking the, the original content and molding it into different blog posts, um, videos, or, or posters, or Facebook posts, or I guess other things that, that people will share that will eventually lead back to the book. Yeah. Do you have a website now for the book, or is the blog that started it from, is that the website for the book? Uh, the blog that, that started it, I guess, I, I think I still own the domain, but the blog isn't live anymore. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, the blog that started it, I mean, I maybe used like 10% of that content Yeah. Uh, toward the book. It really more so just validated the idea that if I turned this into something full length that people would be interested in it. Okay. Uh, but I do, I recently, I think within the last two weeks, finally created a, a dedicated website for the book at firstworldproblemsbook.com. Okay. Uh, which has some of the content, like a book trailer, some of the quotes from it uh, that I pulled from, uh, I guess, frequently or most highlighted passages from the book. Okay. Um, and just gives a little little bit of background to the book as well. Okay. And, of course, a link from there to buy it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely an Amazon link uh, scattered throughout the site. Nice. And then you went on to, um, now you published it, self-published it to the Kindle, and you went on to yeah. self-publish it on CreateSpace, which I know what the first time I did one, I, it was a little I was a little afraid of what I was going to get into, and I was pleasantly surprised that CreateSpace has gotten a lot easier than it was in the past. And um, how did you find? Even when you did it, if you did it last uh, fall, it's changed even a lot just since then in the last six months. Yeah. Um, so I got the the Kindle book out like December twenty second, just like literally right before Christmas. Uh, and then I, I knew I wanted to get into paperback, but I guess wasn't really sure what, what the best option would be or, or who to go with. And I think it was a blog post by James Altucher, which mentioned that he self-published using CreateSpace, mm -hmm. uh, which then became something I, I looked into and, uh, there's a little bit of research that went into it with uh, finding the the template to plug your book content into, uh, designing the book cover, uh, having a book cover that gets actually approved by CreateSpace. <laughs> yeah, that's a little tough. Because my first one didn't. I, I think because the ice cream cone on the cover was covering part of the text, and they said, no, the text needs to be completely visible. Okay. Uh, and doing, I guess taking that template and then doing like the book spine too. And then once you have that, you get the proof in the mail. Uh, I think it took, I think it was the third proof of the book where I finally got in and said, this looks like an actual book that you'd find at Barnes and Noble or cool. somewhere. Very cool. And, yeah, they are really strict with their cover um, uh, specifications. But what I do like is that they now have a cover creator, 
which, you know, you can easily, the, the thing that always scared me was creating the spine of the book. You know, I knew I can do a front cover and a back cover, but how do you make the spine? And now with their cover creator, you can create your own image for the front, your own image for the back, and then you can have their template um, determine how deep the spine needs to be and just put in text that will be on there. And they also have made it so you can download a digital proof instead of having to purchase a proof, which um, was a very recent development and uh, saves a little money. <laughs> yeah, that that definitely would have would have been helpful. Uh, I think the spine tripped me up the first time too because uh, the text that I had on there only went like halfway down the spine, and mm-hmm. uh, it just looked a little bit a little bit goofy. Yeah, unfinished. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So it took it took a few times, but the digital download would would definitely be nice to have now. Yeah, they and they do it just like a proof book. So it's like it has the crop lines and it shows you the gutter and you know at the end it says proof and you know so it isn't something that you would actually pass around to people, but it is something that mm-hmm. you can visually see every page just the way it would look in print. And um, that was that was really helpful with a book that I recently did. And um, mm-hmm. again, you don't want to take. And you need to do your first couple of books. You need to get the proof from because I do photography books mostly, and I wanted to see what the quality of photos was. I didn't want yeah. to put them out, you know, put them out there if it was going to be crappy. And so the first couple books I did, I made sure that I um, ordered. Um, hard copy proof before I approved them, and now I, I've got it down to a pretty good system. So that's um, it'll be much easier when you do your next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely learned a lot from the first. That should hopefully make the the next one a lot easier. So, what made you decide to self-publish? Um, just the fact that you wanted it out really quickly, or had you considered traditional publishing? Yeah, that. I guess all of it sort of factored into it. Uh, I mean, I originally why I got in the mode of wanting to write a book is just looking for an outlet for the ideas and the humor and and to to make people laugh. Uh, so then when I became set on writing a book, it's kind of the same time when I started coming up across a bunch of articles about people who self-published uh, and how easy it was. So a lot of it was just having complete control over the book, uh, from picking the, the title, the cover image, uh, the exact content in the book, being able to get it out right away instead of, I guess, waiting six to eight months or even a year. Even longer, yeah. Uh, and then since you know, I had a fairly unknown author, I figured I would be doing the marketing anyway, which is the thing that would be really selling the book. Uh, So if I was going to be putting the majority of the work behind writing the book and marketing the book, I want control over, I guess, the revenue of the book as well. Yeah, the process and the revenue. And um, you were smart enough to take the advice from the folks at Goodreads and you know, do the additional editing that you needed to do and, um, 
do the additional things that they recommended and then eventually hire somebody that, you know, showed you what they could do. And that seems to be a lot more common now. Um, Instead of people just emailing you and saying, your book sucks, I can fix it. You know, they, they sent you an email and said, I loved your book. Here's some things I found that were wrong with it. And if you, you know, if you would like me to, here's my service that I offer. And, you know, it's more of a soft sell and it's more of a, you know, I really care about your book kind of a sell instead of a, I'm an editor, you need me kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, those those type of, I guess, reviews and, and comments are are always helpful instead of, I guess, this this was the worst book ever, I can't believe I bought it or read it. <laughs> uh, yeah, always, always appreciate that. Uh, someone willing to to take what you've done and and loves your work but i guess wants to mold it into something a little bit better mm-hmm. yeah and that's you know as authors that's what we want to be we want to put out there we want to put our best foot forward so that people will read what we put out next do you have plans for a, a second book or a different type of book i i do i'm i'm i guess i have i have no i guess shortage of of ideas for books, but finally, uh, picked another book of essays just on sort of the, the odd jobs I've, I've worked throughout my life, uh, whether it was selling vacuums door to door or, uh, working for Walmart at the Minnesota State Fair for a day. Wow. (laughs) That's kind of cool. And I didn't know they still sold vacuums door to door. You don't sound old enough to have been doing that. (laughs) Uh, Well, it, I, it was a shorter gig, uh, Uh probably. And I guess I, I shouldn't say I sold vacuums door to door, but I, I should probably clarify that I attempted. Attempted. (laughs) to, To sell uh, vacuums door to door. I I mainly learned that uh, I'm not very good at selling, and that dust gives me allergies. <laughs> Here, uh-huh. let me show you how this works. Oh, cough, cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it wasn't the most enjoyable experience, but uh, I looking back, there there are a lot of interesting stories from a lot of those different jobs. Well, and that's great that you're going to capture those because personalized stories and um, I'm a big fan of personal essays. And I think that, you know, they capture, they capture little slices of life. So, you know, for our listeners that are out there, if you think that, you know, your personal essays or your satirical essays aren't something people would want to listen to or read, that they probably are. And, you know, you should go ahead and and write them down as you get the ideas for them. And then you can always polish later, but you've got to get the raw material out of your head first before you can polish it up and do anything else with it. Yeah, you you definitely want to, I guess, be capturing as it comes to you because pretty much any time I've, I've thought, oh, this, this is an interesting thought or situation, I should remember it later. You never yeah, do. you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, the approach, I guess I take to writing is either writing down the initial idea either on my phone or uh, on a notepad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I get to actual writing, it's writing just the awful first draft, mm-hmm. just the, uh, I guess, almost unfiltered. Uh, 
uh, and then going back to, to edit from there. And I think you just said something really, really important because I think too many people self-edit instead of letting that first unfiltered first draft come out of them. You know, we're so critical of ourselves that when we write it down, you know, the high school teacher, you know, with the ruler smacking across your hand or whatever for, you know, writing the bad crap, you know, let yourself write the garbage because you first you have to get it all out of your head and let it come out any way it needs to. And then go back and apply your filter to it. I I love that you said the word unfiltered because I've been using that a lot about certain people. (laughs) Yeah. I know a lot of people that don't filter before they talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely more common in talking than writing that you find someone who's unfiltered. Uh, But I, I originally, I guess, probably took the filtered approach to writing where... You know, you write a sentence or a paragraph and think, is this any good? Should I uh, change the words in it or or even delete it? Uh, but then eventually just went to, I guess, writing pages at a time or uh, whole sessions of writing without editing. Because uh, there's a lot that I'd end up changing, but there's always a lot that you end up keep keeping in there that you wouldn't have got otherwise if you just took the slower approach to it. Right. And a lot of, a lot of writers are afraid of that or a lot of, um, you know, people that are, I mean, it goes along with like musicians that, you know, they have their most fun when they're jamming, but you know, they feel like they, when they're doing a performance, they have to do the classically trained stuff and they can't just let go. And so I think that's the writing process. First, you've just got to let yourself jam, and then you go back and and clean it up to whatever you want it to be later. Um, And, you know, essays don't have to be, they don't have a set length, you know. It can be one page, or it can be 20 pages. And it just needs to be as long as it needs to be. Yeah, some of these, I think, range from maybe even 150 words to over 1,000 yeah. Um, yeah. So it there there wasn't really I guess any rules on on what each of them had to be as long as I found whatever I was writing somewhat amusing. That's <laughs> I like that. <laughs> as long as at the end of the day when I finished reading it, I was laughing. I was happy. <laughs> but that's always the goal. You you always want to look back and at least be entertained by what you've what you've written and you're entertaining and you're educating through your through being entertaining you know like your first book is about things that we look at every you know that we do every day and we don't think about and you're kind of educating people giving them a little nudge you know and and you're laughing at it also but you're giving them that little nudge and saying um what do i you know maybe i should be thinking about what i'm doing here so what would you um what advice would you give someone who is just getting ready to you know they've got ideas running around in their head and and they don't know what to do with them what what would you tell them to do oh man uh this is almost cliche but it's it's so true to to just start writing them down and in some way it it wouldn't even have to be public or a blog or anything that anyone sees but uh, 
if you want to eventually get something in book form or blog form uh, or do anything with it, you have to start writing it down. Because uh, it's... Writing is, is somewhat of a, a muscle where I guess the more the more you work at it and spend time at it, the better you get with it. Uh, so you might not have something you want to show to people at first, but you eventually need to put it down if you ever want to have anything worth getting out there. Well, and I think that's a good analogy with the muscle because, you know, when you first start working out, you don't want anybody to watch you, you know? Yeah. You know, you don't want want anybody seeing you doing jumping jacks or, you know, being on the elliptical or, and, you know, getting ready to pass out after five, you know, five minutes. Yeah. But then when when you work out enough that you've built up enough confidence in yourself and you have found your own voice, actually. It, it might take a lot of writing before you figure out what exactly your voice is going to be, and then you're ready to shout it to the world, and you're like ready to go on TV and say, "Look, I can be on my elliptical for two hours. <laughs> I can do the treadmill uphill," you know, and you're and yeah. you're bragging. And but when you first started, you were just like, "Oh, I don't want anybody to see this." So you know, you figure out your you figure out your voice, and then you and then you put it out there. Yeah, you you gotta. Start the whole starting is just just getting it out there, and if you want to validate it, there there are a hundred different ways to that you can find validation that you might be onto a good idea. But I mean, most of the time you might need to write the whole book just because people don't always, uh, I guess, get get the book idea or the product idea when it's still in the concept stage. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, there's a lot of people, there are people that can outline their books and when they're getting ready to write, and there are other people that, you know, they write as it comes to them, and most people are a combination of the two. You know, they come out, they have an idea, they do a loose outline, and, and then the book, you know, starts to write itself. Um, once you let your creative mind let go and, you know, the characters then come to life or with a personal essay that, you know, you might start out rough and then all of a sudden after you've written, you know, 300, 400 words, all of a sudden now you get to the meat of what you wanted to talk about and then you start from that point and do it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely don't don't wait around for inspiration set set goals and and stick to them that's uh yeah <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm really bad at setting goals but, i've had people in the past tell me where do you want to be three years from now <laughs> and i'm like how the heck do i know you know because <laughs> yeah life, but, life is not predictable anymore yeah i eventually for the first book i i started setting writing goals for myself where i said i'm going to write 250 words a day no matter if they're good or not okay just need to get get them out there uh and just get get some momentum going and it became a lot easier as as time went on uh i ended up even cutting a lot of different essays from the book Mm -hmm. well because Uh, you realized once you got to the once you, again, you strengthened your muscle and you realized the weaker pieces that, you know, maybe people wouldn't really get or wouldn't really care about or that didn't really fit into the theme of this book. 
Yeah, yeah. Eventually, if you get to the point where you're creating a lot of a lot of content, you'll you want to trim the fat a mm-hmm. little bit. And then you want to make sure that what you put out there is as lean as possible. Yeah, you you definitely want something that I guess every aspect of it you're you're proud to show people or have someone read. Mm-hmm. Which goes into I guess every aspect of it from writing something that that people would want to read to having a quality book cover to you know even paying someone to edit the book as well Mm -hmm. and um i I really like that you did find that you 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 recognized that you needed an editor um there's i mean myself included i let people edit a book uh, a fiction book and uh but they were all people that i knew and you know they gave me feedback and they loved it and you know they said this is a little rough you can improve on that and you know that's a little rough you can improve on that but the more I learn um, and I have to say that I was writing a book that um, someone else started so it wasn't originally my project to begin with um, you know you realize all the things that you missed and one of the very latest critiques that I got on it from someone who was totally removed and you know didn't know me or um, or anything she read it and she said it's lacking emotion she said your protagonist and your antagonist I don't know which one to root for because they're both I feel the same way about each of them and I'm like well that's not good <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to root for the bad guy <laughs> Yeah, generally not. Yeah, so if your bad guy and your good guy are equal, there's some work to be done here. <laughs> so yeah, you you find out I guess a lot a lot about your book once it actually sees sees the eyes of other people, and uh, you know they don't they don't mind giving unfiltered feedback, whether it's harsh and accurate or. Uh, harsh and I guess not not constructive at all right um, but yeah it just like the first time I edited the book with the Craigslist guy I thought I got editing out of the way and uh, can focus on promotion now and then mm-hmm. someone came back uh, or and mentioned that you know there are still further edits you can do and I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised that that someone on Craigslist <laughs> didn't quite work out. Do you, do you even know if they were in this country? <laughs> uh, their English was was quite good, but uh, for all I know, they could have outsourced it to. I mean, the, the Philippines, where yeah. English was you know their fourth language. Yeah. Uh, and originally, for the formatting of the Kindle book. I had outsourced it to a guy in the Philippines, uh, mm-hmm. just through Odesk, and after a few revisions, I thought, well, this isn't this quite isn't where I out. want it, so uh, I guess I'm just going to have to do it myself and, and learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just, I think it was around that time that someone mentioned the program Scrivener. Oh, uh, we just found that. And using that for ebooks and that has made things just a lot easier. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, uh, we, uh, my boyfriend and I, just found that um, a couple days ago. Somebody mentioned it, 
and he already has taken one of his books and is using it to um, to write and format his book. And um, I'll probably give it a try in a couple of weeks when I start working on another one of my books or revising the current one. Yeah, yeah, that's that has been just made things so much easier for, I guess, editing and uh, exporting to whatever format I want, whether you know Moby or PDF or Word doc. Uh, in the Kindle format too, and especially for organization with a book of, I guess, 101 essays, it it can be a little bit difficult in Google Docs to organize them by category and go into yep. each of them and determine where things are at, whether it's uh, a finished draft or still needs work. And, and Scrivener see- just just made everything much much easier. That's really cool, and you know, I'm not an I, I I don't have any relationship with the company or anything, and I'm I'm just saying that you know, their uh, their tool seems to be. I feel as though I'm going to be one of those authors that needs to storyboard. So I've been yep. working with some different ideas about storyboarding, and what I'm probably going to do with Scrivener is going to put that on um, a computer separate from the one that I'm writing on because with a storyboard I need to be able to look at it while I'm while I'm composing and um, I think that uh, it will it's going to be very helpful because you can move scenes around and and you can keep your research where you can go back and easily find it and um, yeah. it seems to combine a lot of tools that people have told me that I can do I'm a very visual person so I'm a photographer, so I'm very visual, and I, I need to see things, even the things I'm going to write about. I need to have, you know, a pictorial representation of it. So I'm looking forward to digging in and giving that a shot, too. I'm glad to hear that it helped you. Oh, yeah, it, it made things a lot easier, and I guess there there wasn't really a risk in, in trying it out since I think they have a 30-day trial. Yep. But found myself... I guess being able to organize the essays and uh, just structure the layout of it, and it made uh, exporting in the Kindle format pretty easy. Where uh, you know I could export if I make modifications to the book right now, I could export it, and within five minutes it would be you know uploaded to the Kindle store. That's awesome. That, that really is awesome. And um, we're always looking for tools and tips. So um, anybody listening, if you have a, a great tool that you want to recommend to us, go on over to Book Goodies and fill out the contact us form and tell me what you're using or look for this podcast uh, with Ben and, and leave in the comments what's your favorite writing tool. Um, I think that would, be, that would make for a great conversation. Um, and now let's go back to book reads a little bit as a as a as a tool. It's a marketing tool, but for you, it was also a, a way to get reviews, which is mm-hmm. really difficult. Um, and it's a way to get feedback. So, are you in like um, specific groups, or you know, how are you how are you utilizing Goodreads? Uh, with Goodreads, I've I guess marketing in general, I've I've taken more of a experimental approach to it where just going in, I'm kind of assuming I don't know what will sell books. Right. Uh, so I'm just trying a bunch of 
different things I've seen authors do. Uh, and part of that on Goodreads is book giveaways, mm-hmm. uh, which are really cheap to do and also get a lot of people to either add your book, buy your book, um, or mostly just add it to the to-read list mm-hmm. if they're they're interested in it. So running, I've run a few different promotions on there where you see a little little bit of spike in interest. Uh, I've been able to connect with some of the people who read my book and reviewed it and liked it. Uh, also some, I guess, constructive feedback on it, mostly when it comes to either grammar or things, which kind of nudged me into to hiring an actual editor. Right. Um, also seeing what quotes people take from the book and share is fairly fascinating. Uh, and even reviews where uh, people like really dislike the book, uh, even that feedback is sort of interesting to read where... Like someone recently, like the one-star reviews where someone wrote, this book has the worst humor, it's drier than the Sahara Desert. (laughs) Which which technically, I thought about it and thought, you know, it's not ideal to get one-star reviews, but technically if they hate dry humor, yeah, they probably would hate the book so I can see their point of view. Yeah. Uh... But there are plenty of people on Amazon and BookReads who who love it, too. Well, and that's what you need, you know. Um, And you evoked an emotion, which is something that all authors should be striving to do. And what I've told people about, you know, like a, a remark like that, you can turn that into a positive because somebody read it and felt something. And even though it was something negative, they felt strongly enough you know, you moved them to be strong enough to write a review about your book. You know, no one told them they had to write a review. So, you know, you evoked an emotion, even though it wasn't the emotion you wanted to. But, you know, again, someone else is going to look at that and say, well, I like dry humor. So I think if it's as dry as the Sahara (laughs) Desert, I'm going to love it. I know. I I almost think indifference is worse than uh, a strong opinion, whether it's on the positive or negative end. Right. Uh, a lot of the success- successful books on Amazon have a lot of five star reviews and a lot of one star reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Fifty Shades of Grey is probably the, the most current and, and notable example of that, where people either seem to love it or they absolutely hate the book and can't understand why it's popular. Yeah. And I'm I'm one of the people who's indifferent. I'm not going to read it to find out. <laughs> I know, but I guess whether it's a one star review or five star review, it it spurs conversation, which generally exposes more people to your book. Yep, conversation is what it, it goes along with. The, any publicity is good publicity. I mean, unless it's really bad, you know, really horrible. But at least it spurs a conversation and it allows you to engage and. You know, say, you know, you can go, you can comment on the comment about the Sahara Desert and say, wow, I've achieved my goal then. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, well, I ended up putting that review in a a blog post, uh, just writing about, in general, receiving negative reviews and Mm -hmm. uh, 
just the thoughts on behind that and then uh, Lifehacker ended up emailing me and asking if they could republish that blog post which opened awesome. it up to I guess a completely different audience yeah that's awesome so, all right, um, before we wrap up here, I know um, I want to thank you for, you know, sharing your time with us. If there was one thing you could tell an author, um, what would your parting thoughts to an author be? And the, the, the message of just to start writing is, is valid, but to go one step above that, uh, just commit to either writing a book or not writing a book. Uh, don't don't get stuck in the phase of continually saying that you're working on a book and it'll be out sometime eventually. Uh, all the tools are there if you want to write a book, and it's easier to do the publishing uh, than you probably think. Uh, so if you want to actually write a book, commit to to actually doing it and getting it out there. I like it. That's great. Um, well, Ben, give us the name of your website again because uh, some people are probably listening on their iPods and they're not next to their computer and we want them to remember it. Yeah, the the easiest way to, to find out more about the book and uh, myself from there is firstworldproblemsbook.com where okay. you can find out all about the book, see a link to the current trailer I have, and uh, some quotes from there and see it on Amazon too. Yeah, I'm going to be taking a walk over there and taking a look. (laughs) Isn't it funny we treat the internet as a real place? I'm going to go over there now. (laughs) Come around the corner and visit my website. Um, Yeah. So, um, well, you've been a delightful guest. I want to thank you. And, um, of course, we would love all of our uh, listeners to go over to bookgoodies.com and at the top of the page there's a link you can click to contact us and let us know what you'd like to if you want to be a guest or if you want to um, recommend a topic that we cover and also you can do a search for Ben on the website to find uh, find the podcast with the show notes that will have links to his website and the books and um, also you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at slash book goodies on either one of those and as always we would like to thank our um, host geekcast.fm that's geek like in computer geek and cast like in podcast geekcast.fm hosts all of our podcasts plus a number of podcasts about internet marketing marketing and um, even being a work at home parent and um, if you want to find out more about me, you can go to DeborahCarney.com. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. And I also want you to get writing. Uh, like Ben said, just make the commitment and start writing. So everybody, thanks again for listening and have a great day.